All right, the podcast call-in channel is open. You are free to join. If you would like to speak, just make sure you raise your hand. But I will stop periodically uh, between, like I said, sections. And we'll uh, we'll leave that as kind of your opening to pop in and chat. But so here's, here's, uh, here's the deal. Here's the deal. So last Thursday, if you were not with us, we went over some of the differences between Christianity and Islam, the belief systems, their belief systems specifically. And we got to talking and the conversation became very deep. And uh, we decided we needed to go in a little bit further. So tonight is going to be more or less is going to be a side by side comparison of the Islamic religion as it pertains to kind of a Christian perspective. Uh, comparing some of the stories, comparing some of the principles, the ideals, uh, everything that matters about a religion or a religious system, we're going to put them side by side with each other and then see where do they differ? Where, where are they similar? Because there are a lot of similarities, but there are also a lot of differences, and some of the differences are quite substantial. So much so that there is kind of warranted animosity between the two religions. So one of the other things we we brushed on last week that we need to either remember or learn for the first time today before we go into any of this is if you put Islam and Christianity side by side, at a glance, they seem very similar. And the reason for this is, is those two, along with the Jewish faith, are all what are called Abrahamic religions. What that means is that essentially the foundation of the religion is, and it's more complicated than this, but for conversation's sake, is all based off of the same God and the same very rudimentary theological views. So all Abrahamic religions, them being Islam, Judaism, and Christianity, all at one point were talking about the same God. So within Christianity, it's Yahweh. Same goes for the Jewish faith. And then within um, Islam, we're talking about Allah, which is, it's again, same God between all three. However, the interpretation of the God and then the timeline cause those two things to become very, very different. But all are based in the same general stories, general timeline, general beliefs, and then each one kind of took things in a different direction. Judaism and Christianity obviously hold a lot of the same stuff, you know, the majority of the same stuff. The parts where Judaism and Christianity differ comes to the Messianic prophecies, and that being Jesus Christ. Christians believe he was the fulfillment of the Messianic prophecy. Jews do not. They're still waiting for the Messiah to come. They do not think that Jesus fit the bill. Within Islam, we talked about last week, it's very different. Basically, Islam does not believe that Jesus Christ was deity. They don't believe that he was God. They believe that he was a major prophet, arguably the most important prophet within Islam. But they don't believe that he died on a cross. They believe somebody was put in his place. So he's kind of tricked. And uh, they don't believe that Jesus obviously then rose from the dead because they don't believe he died. They believe that Jesus basically was resurrected into heaven prior to any of that. Prior to the crucifixion, prior to really being cast aside by culture, Allah took Jesus up to heaven 
And then they put somebody in place of Jesus to go die on the cross. So it was kind of like a sham. That's the general big picture. Okay. Oh, no. Oh, no. Okay, hold on. Hold on, hold on, hold on. All right, so first thing I want to do is just kind of run down. I found a, a pretty decent comparison side by side uh, in Wiki, actually. And I did go through all of this. It's accurate. So I'm comfortable sharing it. You'll very rarely ever see me show you Wikipedia. But at times, it's accurate. And if it's accurate, it's accurate. I don't care what the source is. If it's true, it's true. So this is the biblical and the Quranic narratives somewhat side by side. So we're not going to go through all of it because there's a lot. But I want to go over kind of the basics. And then I want to go into a few of the specific stories where you can see the differences between the two faiths. So it says this. The Quran contains references to more than 50 people and events also found in the Bible. That is a similarity. That is because we're functioning off of the same general stories. Because they are coming off of the same God prior to people kind of taking things and, and putting them in different directions. Taking them two different directions. So while the stories told in each book are generally comparable, there are also some notable differences. Knowing that versions written in the Hebrew Bible and the Christian New Testament does predate the Quran. Scholars recognize the similarities found in Islam, Jewish and Christian texts. Muslims believe the Quran to be a direct knowledge from the creator of existence. As such, the Muslims believe that their earlier versions are distorted through flawed processes of transmission and interpretation over time and considered the Quran's version to be more accurate. So again, remember from last week, this uh, the belief from the Islamic side is that Muhammad, who wrote the Quran, was basically received a download from Allah and that he wrote word for word, perfect dictation of what Allah wanted. Whereas we talked about it in the Christian faith and the Jewish faith, we believe that they're inspired texts and there's a difference there. One, one is perfectly dictated from the God word for word, meaning Muhammad's emotion, Muhammad's personal biases, Muhammad's upbringing, his, his nothing interacts, nothing affects the Quran. That is the belief within the Christian faith. If you actually read the New Testament, you know, dang well, <laughs> there, there is emotion involved. There is personal bias involved. It is not a perfect text. We believe it to be inspired. There are some Christians who believe it to be perfect. Those people, I don't know how to help because it is extremely apparent. Read Paul. Paul has, he's hes wildly emotional. He defends himself all You see, you feel the human emotion all the time. That's not the belief from Islam. The belief from Islam is Muhammad got a direct download from Allah and it is perfect. It's exactly what, what Allah wanted him to write down. No, no emotion, no, uh, no feelings of any kind. No humanity is in the text. Often stories related in the Quran tend to concentrate on the moral or spiritual significance of events rather than the details. Biblical stories come from diverse sources and authors, so their attention to detail varies individually. That's what I was just talking about. There's a lot of individuality within the Christian Bible. The Islamic methodology of something I'm not going to even try to pronounce refers to interpreting the Quran with or through the Bible. This approach adopts canonical Arabic, Arabic versions of the Bible, including the Taurat and the Injil, maybe, 
both to illustrate, both to illustrate and to add exegetical depth to the reading of the Quran. Blah blah blah. Moving on. Okay, so one of we're gonna skip Adam and Eve. One of the ones I did want to go to because we're gonna go into it further is this was okay. Yeah, this was interesting. Yes, but Muhammad, maybe I misspoke. Muhammad got the download though, right? So it's, it's. I guess the better way to say it would be like he was, he was the inspiration. That's not the right word though. Muhammad received the information and then expressed it to be written. Is that is that a more fair way of saying it? He he got all the information from Allah and then he, through him and through him alone as the major, fancy, super incredible prophet. He passed on the information to hit written form. I, I could have said that better. You're absolutely right. All right. So idol, calf, and Samaritan. This is great. Pay attention. This is the beginning of the comparisons. In the Bible, in Moses' absence, certain people who went out of Egypt with the Hebrews worship a golden calf saying, this is your God, O Israel, who brought you up out of Egypt. Hundreds of years later, Samaria was founded and became the capital of the northern kingdom of Israel. King Jeroboam. Sorry, give me one sec. I want to make sure this is the one I wanted. It's not, but this is good too. This is good too. So the the, the its first king also made two golden calves and said, These are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of Egypt. The Quran tells the story of a calf while Moses is gone. A man called the Sumari in Yusuf Ali's translation or the Samaritan in Arberi's translation is blamed for protagonizing their idolatry. In verses, a verse in Hosea 8, 5, and 6 contains the same content as Taha 2097, where Hosea refers to the Jeroboam calf and the Quran refers to the earlier calf. Both feature a prophet speaking to the Samaritan or Samaria, promising to destroy the calf. Throw out your calf idol, O Samaria. My anger burns against them. How long will they be incapable of purity? They are from Israel. This calf, a craftsman has made it. It is not God. It will be broken in pieces. That calf of Samaria. Moses said, get thee gone. But thy punishment in this life will be that thou wilt say, Touch me not. Now look at your God, of whom thou hast become a devoted worshiper. We will certainly melt it in the blazing fire and scatter it broadcast in the sea. In the Quran, Moses' punishment that the Sumari cannot be touched is the same as the modern Samaritan punishment, where no Jew was allowed to touch them because of their idolatry. In his commentary, Yusuf claims that the Sumari is not a Samaritan. The second one here, Miriam and Mary. No, actually, I want to skip that. I want to skip that. Sorry, where's the one that I really wanted, man? There was there was one example that was good. I will get it. I will get it. Give me two seconds. Man, there were so many, but there were a few that were relatively short and would help us on time. But gave it, they were a very good representation of kind of what we're talking about. Was it the sons of Adam? I think it was the sons of Adam. 
yeah, everything was oral tradition, though, right? I mean, the the Bible outside of the Old Testament was oral tradition for a hot minute. Yeah, we're going to do this. We're going to do this. So sons of Adam, and this will lead us into one of the other things we're going to look at is Cain and Abel, which is obviously what this is. But we're going to pull up the Quran and read through the story of Cain and Abel. And then we're going to pull up the Bible and read through the story of Cain and Abel. It's, it's interesting. The things that differ. And I'm going to leave it at that for now. In the Bible, Adam and Eve have two sons, the elder Cain, who is a farmer, and the younger, Abel, a shepherd. When both make sacrifices to God, God only accepts Abel's offering. Angered, Cain kills his brother. Despite God's warning, he is condemned to a lifetime of wandering and fruitless toil. The Quran narrates a similar story relating to the sons of Adam, although the brothers are not named. Interesting note about this. They were named in certain texts. They were not named in other texts. So in, in, in everything I am aware of, that's not consistent across all of, of the Islamic belief system. Not in the same way. It was far more insular compared to the New Testament. For sure. For sure. But the Bible is definitely guilty of the same thing. Which, I mean, you know, if you read extra biblical texts, Christians are very guilty of the same thing. And in my opinion, they're very guilty of the same thing. However, a significant difference between the two versions is that while God speaks to Cain, and a Cain in the Bible, the brother who is accepted by God speaks to the rejected one in the Quran, saying, God accepts only from the God weary. Even if you extend your hand toward me to kill me, I will not extend my hand toward you to kill you. Indeed, I fear God, the Lord of all the worlds. That should actually be Allah. Their Bibles do not say God. It's Allah. I desire that you earn the burden of my sin and your sin to become one of the inmates of the fire, prisoners of the fire. And such is the requital of wrongdoers. A conversation between Cain and Abel is attested in one Syriac source. Although this version differs significantly from the Quran and that Abel begs his brother not to kill him, a conversation between the brothers before the murder is also found in several other Aramaic texts an Aramaic language Jewish annotation of the Torah. For anybody who doesn't know, the Torah is is the Jewish version. So, so we're talking not Islam. Just, just, just so you fully grasp. The rejected brother then kills the younger brother, as Cain does to Abel. In the Quran, God then sends a crow to dig the earth in which to bury the murdered brother. And the murderer regets his deeds as he looks upon the crow. While a bird digging the earth for Abel is a motif that appears in certain late extra-biblical Christian and Jewish sources, such as the Tarhuma. The Quran is the earliest known version of the episode and may be the source of the other attestations. So that is something interesting to be aware of. Just really, really get that for a second. Because 99% of the time, in my experience, and maybe it's just me, is that Christians are always accusing everybody else of stealing their text, which in, I'd say still most cases is relatively accurate. But it's not in all. 
And this is like the breaking point of you need to be honest. You need to be honest. Honest means it's not always going to go in your direction. This is an example of a situation where more than likely Christian authors began to pull from other sources. In this case, we're talking about Islam. So again, the the idea, the motif of the bird digging the earth for Abel appears in later extra-biblical Christian and Jewish sources. Meaning, making most scholars believe that the, the stories were pulled from Islamic tradition. The Quran then draws a lesson from the murder not found in the text of the Torah. So this is a difference. That is why we decreed for the children of Israel that whoever kills a soul without its being guilty of manslaughter or corruption on the earth is as though he had killed all mankind and whoever saves a life is as though he has saved all mankind. That verse specifically, 532 out of the Quran, we're going to go into deeper right now because this is one that gets used a lot from the Islamic side to try to make it sound like they're, I want to try to say this delicately, to try to make it sound like their religion is more, is less extreme than it can be. Now, and we talked about it last week a lot too, and I just want to be super, super clear when I say this. Muslims are not extremists. They're not. Their faith necessarily isn't that extreme especially if you compare it to the Bible, specifically the Old Testament, which is relatively extreme. So grand scheme of things, not that extreme. However, there are parts of the Islamic religion, there are parts of the Quran that are kind of extreme. And where it actually gets bad, in my personal opinion, is just like every religion, how they get bad, is that somebody at some point in time throughout history pulls sections from the Quran and then runs in a certain direction with it and turns it into something else. Christians did the same thing. It just, it just, for the most part, definitely hasn't passed, but for the most part, doesn't become some violent extremist type thing. But that has happened. For anybody who forgets Christian history, much violence has come in the name of my theology is better than yours. Christian to Christian, Christian to non-Christian, that is a real thing. So we're not exempt from this. Religions in general become extreme when humans turn the interpretation to be extreme. That is when we get in trouble. It's usually not from the actual text itself. However, sometimes it is, and that's what we're going to talk about. But first, the Cain and Abel thing. Cain and Abel in the Torah. Now, the man had marital relations with his wife, Eve. And she became pregnant and gave birth to Cain. Then she said, I have created a man just as the Lord did. Then she gave birth to his brother, Abel. Abel took care of the flocks while Cain cultivated the ground. At the designated time, Cain brought some of the fruit of the ground for an offering to the Lord. But Abel brought some of the firstborn of his flock, even the fattest of them. And the Lord was pleased with Abel and his offering, but with Cain. And his offering, he was not pleased. So Cain became very angry, and his expression was downcast. Then the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry, and why is your expression downcast? I love when God just repeats whatever the narration was prior. Is it not 
I guess really the narrator is repeating it. Is it not true that if you do what is right, you will be fine? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at the door. It desire to dominate you, but you must subdue it. Cain said to his brother Abel, let's go out in the field. <laughs> let's go for a walk, bro. While they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, where is your brother Abel? And he replied, I don't know. Am I my brother's guardian or am I my brother's keeper? But the Lord said, what have you done? This is, I want to stop real quick right now, and I'm, I'm going to take us totally off, off base, but we talk about this often. <laughs> I don't want to open up a whole can of worms, but think about this theologically for a second. Total side note. Come off of the Quran. Come off of what we're talking about. Theology only. Theology hats on. When you read biblical text where God is asking people questions, what does that imply? The obvious implication is he doesn't know. Most, if not all Christians, the vast majority of Christians would say, well, yeah, God does know. He's just he's just picking at him to try to get him to admit it or he, he wants him to uh, to recognize his wrongdoing or there's a million different answers, but it's something to that effect normally. Just keep this in the back of your head. When you read through the Bible, specifically the Old Testament, because obviously Yahweh was involved in the Old Testament. He's really not in the New Testament. But just consider consider the, the Socratic method. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. I just love this because it it it's a door that opens up. It opens up different concepts of theology. But it's just something to keep in the back of your head. As you read through the Old Testament and you you read God interacting with humanity, try to really pay attention to what God is doing. What is he saying? How is he acting? The best example, in my opinion, is Job, the beginning of Job. If you haven't read it or you don't immediately know what I'm talking about, I would urge you to go read like the first couple chapters of Job later and just really try to grasp the way that God is behaving. And, and what actions he chooses to take and what the scene is, what he's trying to get across and try to think, what is God's intention? What was he intending by speaking to people this way? I mean, I, I agree with Ghost. He's right on. And that's my opinion. But it, for the it's just really interesting. It's really interesting. If you sit there, when you read the Old Testament, you read God interacting. I mean, take Abraham. There's so many different examples of God interacting with humanity in a way that at face value seems very odd. It seems very odd. So it takes some, and it, again, you obviously, you read it and you're like, oh, well, duh, he's doing this. Perhaps, but still, take a second and really think about it. Really think about it. So many people just read the Bible, intake it, and then forget about it. Really think about it and consider what is his intention? What is he trying to do? Continuing, the voice of your brother's blood is crying out to me from the ground. So now you are banished from the ground. That's a hard banishment. Which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you try to cultivate the ground, it will no longer yield its best for you. You will be a homeless wanderer of the earth. Then Cain said to the Lord, my punishment is too great to endure. Look, you're driving me off the land today, and I must hide from your presence. I will be a homeless wanderer on the earth. Whoever finds me will kill me. But the Lord said to him, All right, then. If anyone kills Cain, Cain will be avenged seven times as much. 
just the continuation of what I was talking about. That is so comical. If you actually sit and think about it, Cain is like, no, no, it's too much. It's too much. And God's like, ah, all right. All right. If anyone kills Cain, Cain will be avenged seven times as much. It's so it's it's just funny. Then the Lord put a special mark on Cain so that no one who found him would strike him down. So Cain went out from the presence of the Lord and lived in the land of Nod, east of Eden. That is Genesis 4, 1 through 16. Now, Cain and Abel in the Quran, but recite unto them with the with truth the tale of the two sons of Adam, how they offered each sacrifice, and it was accepted from the one of them, and it was not accepted from the other. This is the Quran again. The one said, and these are unnamed in this version, right? And this is, this is, I would say it's the majority of Islam has these characters, Cain and Abel, unnamed. The interesting thing is if you, if you look outside of other Islamic sources that are outside of the Quran and you read about the sons of Adam, there are some very interesting stories. Very interesting. We don't have time for them. But if you if you care, if this is something that interests you, look at extra or just put, just put additional or outside of the Quran story of Adam's sons. And you'll find a handful of really interesting stories if you're into this sort of thing. So the one son said, I will surely kill you. The other answered, Allah accepts only from those who ward off evil. Even if you stretch out your hand against me to kill me, I shall not stretch out my hand against you to kill you. Lo, I fear Allah, the Lord of the worlds. Lo, I would rather thou shouldst bear the punishment of the sin against me and your own sin and become one of the owners of the fire. Go to hell. That is the reward of evildoers. But the others mind imposed on him the killing of his brother. So he slew him and became one of the losers. That is a direct quote. Direct quote. Became one of the losers. And that is, and I looked into it, that is the best, most accurate translation of what the Quran said. Which is just a fun fact. Then Allah sent a raven, and this is massive difference. Then Allah sent a raven scratching up the ground to show him how to hide his brother's naked corpse. He said, Woe unto me, I am not able to be as this raven, and so hide my brother's naked corpse. And he became repentant. For that cause, we decreed for the children of Israel that whoever kills a human being for the other, for other than manslaughter or corruption in the earth, it shall be as if he had killed all of mankind. And whoso saves the life of one, it shall be that he had saved the life of all mankind. Our messengers came unto them of old and clear proofs. That is the part that I actually want to jump into real quick. So, we pop this up here. This is the Quran. If you want to read the Quran, just go to Quran.com. It'll give you uh, everything basically you need. So we're going to go to verse 27. That is where this story began. And then we're actually going to crawl down to this right here. Okay. 
That this is Quran 532. That is why we ordained for the children of Israel that whoever takes a life, unless as a punishment for murder or mischief in the land, it will be as if they killed all of humanity. And whoever saves a life, it will be as if they saved all of humanity. This is the part I want to talk about. If you were to do a quick Google search of social media, just in general, social media posts coming from Muslim uh, believing accounts that reference Quran 532. What you're going to find, undoubtedly, because I did it, what you're going to find is you're going to find a lot of Muslims trying to make the religion look better. And what I mean by that is what I've found, and interestingly enough, I actually found a video of somebody talking about this exact thing, because it, it's, it's interesting. They'll remove the middle part of this verse. Now, again, full transparency, total honesty, like we do here, so do Christians. So it's not a better than them. It's not a, you know, we're worse than them. Both religions are absolutely guilty of it. But right now we're talking about the Quran. You guys know I talk crap about Christians all the time. So right now it's Muslims turns. So what they do is they remove. They remove this part right here, unless as a punishment for murder or mischief in the land. What does that mean? Let's read it without it. This is why we ordained for the Christian, I'm sorry, the children of Israel, that whoever takes a life, it will be as if they killed all of humanity. What does that say? It says no killing. Without the part that I highlighted that you can't see, that now you can see, without the part that I highlighted, this comes across as if Muslims do not believe in killing. That's the way it reads. Whoever takes a life, it will be as if they killed all of humanity. That's a heavy burden. But if you put the rest of the verse in, which a lot of the time when it's posted on social media, the poster omits, unless a punishment for murder or mischief in the land, meaning at the very least, capital murder is okay. It means if you kill someone within the Muslim religion, they should be allowed to kill you. That's not really the troubling part. Maybe it is for you. That's fine. To me, it's really not the troubling part. The troubling part is the next sentence, which says, or mischief in the land. What is mischief in the land? What, what classification might that be? These are things that are punishable by death in the Islamic faith. Openly leaving Islam, punishable by death. Insulting Islam, punishable by death. Inciting apostasy, punishable by death. Propagation of heresy or disbelief of any kind, punishable by death. Homosexuality, punishable by death. Adultery and spreading immorality, which is a very general statement. But even if you take just three of those, openly leaving Islam, insulting Islam, and spreading immorality, that's a lot of people. That's a lot of behaviors. That's most of the Western world. It means there is a justification from a religious perspective for unaliving people, which is troubling. It's a troubling thing. It's something to understand. I would say a large portion of Muslims 
don't agree with that. But the reality is that a lot of them do. And it's similar, similarly to Christianity and Judaism and any religion, the more traditional the person within the religion, the more likely they are to agree and uphold these types of things. Any, any religion, not just Islam, any religion, the more traditional the person individually or, or even a group, you know, whether it's a temple or a mosque or, or a church, the more traditional that group is, the more likely they are to adhere to these types of traditional beliefs. It's just, it's just a fact. Kind of like the resentful, vengeful, insecure God of the Old Testament. <laughs> Very true. Very true. I want to run to a few more things here and then we'll kind of open things up. I found this really cool website. The last dialogue.org. So what they did is they, they give you a list here and they do a comparison of the Quran to the Bible. So the oneness of God, and we talked about this last week too, is in actually real quick. Why do we care? We talked about it last week, but why do we care? Why are we doing this? Why are we wasting our time talking about the Muslim religion? Who cares? All of us should care. If for no other reason, then it's being talked about a lot right now because of Gaza. So right now is a good time to brush up on, on both your, your Palestinian understanding just in general, but specifically into the Muslim faith. And why is that? Because right now, more than any time in recent history, it's more likely to come up in conversation. It's more likely to come up on social media. It's more likely that you're going to hear something about how Muslims view Christians or how Muslims view the Western world. And I would urge you to really listen to what people are saying about that. And then compare that to the things that we talk about and compare that to what you have gone off and research yourself, because you're going to be gaslit into believing certain things about the Muslim religion that may or may not be true. And I'm, I'm not here to, to get you to believe anything specifically. I'm trying to get you to just be aware of certain things. So these are some things to be aware of. The oneness of God. And we talked about this last week. From a biblical perspective, you shall have no other gods before me. Here, O Israel, the Lord of our God, the Lord is one. I am the Lord and there is no other. Apart from me, there is no God. I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me. One of the teachers of the law came and asked Jesus, of all the commandments, which is the most important? The most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord of one. From the Quran, he is God, the one, God the absolute. He begets not, nor was he begotten. And there is no one comparable to him. Remembering, Muslims do not believe Jesus was God. They don't believe he was deity of any kind. They believe he was a prophet. Very plainly, know that. The other part of this is Muslims have a very hard time with Christianity, specifically, more so than the Jewish faith, because we have a very confusing picture of God. We, we say we have one God, because it's impossible to say otherwise if we're going to uphold the Old Testament because of those verses and a hundred other ones. God is one. There is but one God. Yet we believe in three. We just believe that those three are one, which confuses the hell out of people. And Muslims are no different. They don't like it. They like the monotheistic view. One God, simple, 
straightforward. That is the Muslim belief. And honestly, that is the Jewish belief as well. Christians, they believe Christians are crazy. They believe that we we believe in several gods. They don't grasp or believe in the concept of the Trinity being under kind of one Godhead. And these are different manifestations of God. So that is just something to be aware of. Muslims will accuse you as a Christian of, of worshiping numerous gods. When most Christians, they don't. They, they worship one God who kind of comes across in several different ways. Attributes of God from the Bible. And even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. He, God, will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I sit on the far side of the sea, even there, your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me. Even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day of darkness is as light to you. The Quran, does man think that we will not reassemble his bones? Yes, indeed. We are able to reconstruct his fingertips. Allah, there is no God except he, the living, the everlasting. Neither slumber overtakes him nor sleep. Glorifying God is everything in the heavens and the earth. He is the almighty, the wise. To him belongs the kingdom of the heavens and the earth. He gives life and causes death, and he has power over all things. He is the first and the last, and the outer and the inner, and he has knowledge of all things. He knows what penetrates into the earth, and what comes out of it, and what descends from the sky, and what ascends to it. He emerges the night into the day, and he merges the day into the night, and he knows what is in the earth breasts which is interesting without the full context there jesus the messenger do the quran first i have come to you to attest the law which was before me and to make lawful to you part of what was before forbidden to you he said i am indeed a servant of allah he hath given me revelation and made me a prophet distinctions there And appoint him a messenger to the children of Israel with this message. I have come to you with a sign from your Lord. I make for you out of clay the figure of a bird. Then I breathe into it and it becomes a bird by God's leave, by Allah's leave. And I heal the blind and the leprous and I revive the dead by God's leave. And I inform you concerning what you eat and what you store in your homes. In that is a sign for you if you are believers. So what, I mean, pick up on that. Those are things Christians believe. Those miracles are, are paralleled within Christianity. It's okay to lie if it benefits a Muslim. That makes good faith arguments difficult to discern. Yeah, but would you say Christians are any different? I don't know. I struggle with that. I struggle with that. I feel like Christians lie just to make their theology make sense too. I, I feel like we're just as guilty of that. And maybe that's just me being a cynic and a jerk. I'm not going to read the Jesus part because I would assume everybody here knows what Christians believe about Jesus. One of the other ones I do want to hit real quick, though, and this might ruffle some feathers. This is modesty and women dressing. The Quran first. 
O prophet, tell your wives and your daughters and the women of believers to bring down over themselves part of their outer garments. That is more suitable that they will be known and not be abused. And even and ever is allowed for giving and merciful. And tell the believing women to reduce some of their vision and guard their private parts and not expose their adornment except that which necessarily appears thereof and to wrap a portion their head cover over covers over their chest and not expose their adornment except to their husbands their father their husband's father their sons their husband's sons their brothers their brothers sons their sisters sons their women that which their right hand possesses or those male attendants having no physical desire or children who are not yet aware of the private aspects of woman and let them not stamp their feet to make known what they conceal of their adornment. Beauty is when appearance disclose reality. Beauty does not have to be pleasant. It could be striking and hunting. Now, the Bible. Women dressing is what we're talking about. I also want women to dress modestly with decency and propriety. Not with braided hair or gold or pearls or expensive clothing, but with good deeds appropriate for women who profess to worship God. Now, I already have an issue. The verse isn't actually talking about modesty. That's not the context. The context was more of a social status thing in First Timothy. So just slight gripe with that. But the point remains the same. Your beauty should not come from outward adornment, such as braided hair and the wearing of gold jewelry. Same thing. Context is out of whack, so I don't want to read it. It's still Timothy. It's chapter three, two through five. A woman must not wear men's clothing, nor a man wear women's clothing. For the Lord your God detests anyone who does this. Deuteronomy 22, five. I have a slight problem with this because it's also just it's not related. It's not what we're talking about. This is not what we're talking about. This topic was modesty in women's dressing. The first verse is not about modesty. These Timothy verses are not about modesty. They're about social status. I see Ruth said braided hair is a sin. No, it, it is. It is self-righteousness is a sin. Braided hair was not a sin. Wearing gold was not a sin. Fine clothes was not a sin. It was social status. The church that was being discussed in this was having issues demographically where the Christians were coming across as kind of asses. They were dressing super richy. The women were spending tons of time and money doing their hair, and it was setting a bad standard within the church. It was setting across this image that your physical appearance, your aesthetic image is important. And what what Timothy and Paul had issue with was, no, that is not important. You're setting a bad example for the newer Christians in the church. Let's get rid of the pearls. Let's get rid of the expensive braided hair, which is what they were actually talking about. It took time and it took money for women to do their hair braided the way that they were doing it in this time in that area. So they said, do away with all that stuff. Let's get back to basics. Come as you are and let's do church. So I have an issue with all of those. Uh, this is from 1 Corinthians 11, 5 through 6. Everyone who prays or prophesies with her head uncovered dishonors her head. It is the same as having her head shaved. For if a woman does not cover her head, she might as well have her hair cut off. Yada, yada, yada. I'm going to cut it off because again, that's not what this is about. So this is one of those times 
and this is why I wanted to point this out, is that if you just come into these websites and these sources and these reports and even studies and you just read them as if they're law and as if they're fact and as if you should believe everything that is written on the page, you are going to be led astray. 100%. Yes, church should not be a fashion show. That is exactly what he was trying to get across. You need to be extremely careful because if I were to just go through this website and teach you guys all this and read you guys all this, I would be doing you a disservice because this is BS. A lot of it so far has been good and a lot of the rest of it is good. I read this entire website. However, this was a good example of why you can't just believe the stuff you read, regardless of how it sounds. None of these verses are about women's modesty. None of them. Not the Corinthian, not the Deuteronomy, not the first Peter and not the Timothy. These are all about other things, and they're they're various other things because yes, framing and context are important, and this is why uh, this is why there's become some distrust between a lot of men and a lot of women within Christianity because the idiot men will just pull verses like the First Corinthians and the First Timothy, and they'll throw these at women and be like, "Hey, get in your place," when really they're in the wrong. Now, and I'm not saying anything about women's modesty. I believe women should dress modestly, just like I believe men should dress modestly. I believe humans should dress modestly as not to tempt each other, as to keep what's secret secret, as to respect your spouse or your future spouse. Yeah, meatheading is the man's version of it, 100%. But that's not what any of these verses are about. So I just wanted to take a very brief moment for that. None of it. None of it. Don't just believe crap that you read. Okay, let's see. Divorce, divorce, divorce. Here we go. All right, and then and then I have a few pictures that Ghost sent me, and then we'll bring. Uh, let me see, Ghost. I I invited you so that you're ready. All right, last last one here, and then I have some pictures that Ghost sent that I'm hoping he can kind of explain to us because they were they were very interesting. So this is divorce from the Quran. Oh, Prophet, when any of you divorce a woman. Divorce them during their period of purity and calculate their waiting period carefully and have fear of Allah, your Lord. Do not evict them from their homes, nor should they leave unless they commit an outright indecency. Let's pause there. From our earlier conversation, when we were talking about what is mischief in the land, and then I read you guys a list and basically everything is mischief in the land. Let's now apply that same understanding to this. What would be considered outright indecency? All sorts of stuff. All sorts. If you look into it, which I did, look into indecency within the Muslim religion. Specifically, from a woman's perspective, all sorts of stuff. Meaning, it's a scapegoat, right? It means you are justified basically in any circumstance. Because your woman is definitely doing something indecent. Those are Allah's limits. And anyone who oversteps Allah's limits has wronged himself. You never know. It may well be that after that, Allah will cause a new situation to develop. Meaning God will do something to you. If it, This is the Bible now. The Bible, Christian. If a man marries a woman, and if after she leaves his house, she becomes the wife of another man, and her second husband dislikes her, and writes her a certificate of divorce, gives... Da, 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 is not allowed to marry her again after she has been defiled. That is a 
that is a Jewish directive, right? That comes out of Deuteronomy. I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife, except for sexual immorality, makes her the victim of adultery. And anyone who marries a divorced woman commits adultery. That is a super, super hot topic recently. Uh, oddly, it's that is something I get asked about extremely frequently for whatever reason this year. Jesus replied, Moses permitted you to divorce your wives because your hearts were hard. But it was not this way from the beginning. Whoever divorces his wife and marries another commits adultery, and whoever marries her commits adultery. That's a reiteration of the earlier verse. To the married, I give this command, but if the unbeliever leaves, let it be so. That's 1 Corinthians. People use that often that if, you know, if a Christian marries an atheist or someone of a different religion and the, the non-believer divorces you, you're in the clear. Uh, there's a lot of nuance to all that stuff, but just more examples of the, the stark contrast between the two religions. There, I started this whole thing two weeks ago by saying there are many similarities between Islam and Christianity, because there are. But there are a lot of differences. Picks up a stone. There are a lot of differences, and they're significant. They're meaningful. They're things that you need to know. But you also need to not pretend like it's this totally different religion with everything being totally different, because it's just not. It's, it's very much foundational. Uh, they are very much foundational with each other. And last week I related to this too, and then I want to show the pictures from Ghost, is that all, all of these religions have the same foundation. And I would compare it between Christianity and Seventh-day Adventists or Jehovah's Witnesses. As Christians, we view them as totally in a different religion. They're not. They're not. If you actually learn about uh, Jehovah's Witnesses, most of the religion is the same. They've just taken portions of it and gone super out into left field with it. But the foundation is very, very, very close. These are just things we all need to like fully understand. I used to have Jehovah's Witnesses come to my house all the time, and I'd make them come inside and talk to me. And we had great conversations. All right, Ghost, if you're ready, I'm going to get this first picture up. This is the eschatology timeline. You need some time or are you good? Beautiful. All right, guys. So this is a picture that Ghost sent a couple days ago. Let's see if I can make it bigger. I am. All right, so go ahead. Explain. Oh, wait. Pause, 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 pause. Hold on. Sorry. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can, but the stream couldn't. Now they can. You're good. Sorry, man. All right. Um, this isn't like final or anything. These are just uh, musings and ideas that I have, noticing patterns, etc. Um, I mean, that's why I have the question mark after Sufiani, because uh, I'm by no means a um, Islamic scholar. Obviously, uh, that takes like a lifetime. So, as with like being a Bible scholar. It's a full-time job. So um, I've noticed uh, similarities between these parallels here. So a lot of this is going to have to be kind of, uh, you know, you can take a screenshot and look all these things up and do the comparisons yourself. Um, because I kind of wish there was someone here who knew a lot more about Islam than I do. So they could better critique these things so i can see 
if I'm wrong about something, how and why. And I think I should have uh, wrote dragon uh, in place of Satan because I wanted to do a one for one um, revelation versus the Hadith that talks about. <laughs> but I mean, they're the same, but yeah. for accuracy. Um, okay, so it seems like in the Hadith, and all of this is in the Hadith, like I don't think anything I'm about to talk about is in the Quran itself. Um, uh, the two witnesses, the Sufyani seems to be one guy, but the timeline would suggest that's around the same time that the two witnesses are supposed to appear. Um, this is like pre-Mahdi. Um, and I also have like a confusion because Muslims will say that Jesus is the Messiah or, or Isa is the Messiah, but the Mahdi seems to be doing the Messiah stuff. Hmm. So that's confusing to me. And that's why I said, I wish someone was here that could like tell me, clarify that for me. We might have someone um, actually. So someone total side note, but some of this stuff, uh, there's uh, somebody who I guess does YouTube on the Muslim side that somebody who saw our last stream, they contacted this YouTuber and the whoever the individual is says that they're trying to get this guy to do a stream with us. Uh, hopefully in good faith. I have no idea who they are or anything like that, but because I, I too I too would like love to have somebody who really understood Islam to be able to bounce some of this stuff off of. I mean, do the best you can for now, but hopefully we'll get that soon and we can kind of pick his brain. Yeah, I would love that. Um, so my my whole idea with this is if there is to be a great deception and Jesus, you know, he warned of it several times. Don't listen to anyone who tells you a different Jesus. Um, and Isa is definitely a different Jesus, like flat out. You know, it's easy to say, oh, the Muslims have Jesus in their holy book. But the way they describe him is far more important than the name they give him or the, the name they attribute. Yeah. So the Jesus in their book is way different. It will, even if he's 99% similar, the 1% that he's not completely destroys yeah. the other 99%. Yeah. Um, so I have some stuff that it would take too long to talk about here. I'm going to post it in, uh, I guess, theology in the Discord. It's a bunch of uh, verses from the Quran. I don't really have too much Hadith stuff in there. Um, but it's basically claims they make about Jesus that contradict itself pretty harshly within the Quran, not even the Hadith. So there is a verse. Let me see. I can look this up here. I was doing some research earlier. That says, um, let me see if I can find it. Surah uh, Maram, which is like chapter 19, verses 30 through 34. I, if you could pull that up. Which one now? It says that, um, so just go to Quran. Yep. And type in Quran 19, 30 through 34 and I kind of just want to see what everyone thinks about that as a group and I have like a ton of these 
So 30 <laughs> says, Jesus declared, I am truly a servant of Allah. He has destined me to be given the scripture and to be a prophet. He has made me a blessing wherever I go and bid me to establish prayer and give alms tax as long as I live. And to be kind to my mother, he has not made me arrogant or defiant. Interesting. Peace be unto upon me the day I was born and I'm sorry. Peace be upon me the day I was born, the day I die and the day I will be raised back to life. There it is. Uh, that Jesus, son of Mary, that is Jesus, son of Mary. And this is a word of truth about which they dispute. All right. So 33 in particular. Yeah. Uh, what's going on? Because they said he didn't die. Yep. So I need to hear someone's answer to that because it doesn't make sense to me. Now, I've only heard one uh, one person talk about this, and it was an extremely lackluster answer. So I think that would be great. Have you tried to look? Yes, and every commentary is just ridiculous. Trash. Yeah, it's trash. I did the same thing. It's trash. Uh, the yeah, the, so the only real answer I ever got was that, uh, well, it's, it's actually just in reference to the afterlife, which is just a total BS answer. It answers nothing. I mean, then you would say that about everybody. It's obviously different, though. This is obviously intentional. It's not just the afterlife. It's very intentional. Yeah, it makes no sense. I'd, I would love to hear somebody actually explain that, too. It'd be great if we could find something. And, I mean, I wrote down so many verses, man. Uh, what else? Let's see here. I wrote some other commentaries, but it's probably too spicy. So I will not for YouTube maybe or in what? The Discord. Yeah. Okay. In the Discord, maybe. Yeah, throw them in there for sure. Um. Well. Okay. Okay. You can read this one. Uh. Okay. This might require. I could have been more prepared. I'm sorry. <laughs> You're good, dude. You're good. Let's see. Let's see. Uh, okay. See, all right. Dead, dead uh, air. Okay. Chapter 21. Yeah. 91. I think we... And maybe we could do a word study on Ibn versus Walid. Because they both mean son, but they have different connotations. Oh, okay. Okay. All right. Twenty-one ninety-one. And remember, her who protected her private part—that is Mariam. So we blew in her a life through our spirit. Sorry, guys. I'm going to read this slow just in case I need to not say any words. Uh, blew in her a life through our spirit, capitalized proper, and made her and her son a sign for all the worlds. And she who attended so, to her private part. So are these, these are all different. Yeah. Interesting. So, so these are all different. Are any of them significantly different? Eh, not really. It's the same concept. What I'm basically pointing out is 
they first of all they always refer to jesus as son of mary and they never do that with other prophets like moses son of whoever like yep. so why is it always why do they emphasize son of mary so much um maybe there's an answer for that maybe it's i'm overthinking it but um <clears throat> so they always have a problem with son of god but it's it's ibn it means like extension of it doesn't mean like you could say where where were you born me what city what state denver denver colorado okay so you can say you're a son of denver yeah or son of right so that's son that's ibn and it's not walid walid is more like uh genetic like um from pro like procreation and ibn it, it is more generic like and that's the mm-hmm. that's kind of the word that so when we say son of god we're not talking about a genetic offspring we're talking about an extension or some kind of uh if the father is a prerequisite to the son it's like yeah i might not be explaining it right no i i get what you're saying sorry i just ate no, I, t- I totally agree. Um, okay. Um, chapter, I wrote the actual, so I'm confusing myself here. Chapter 61, verse 6. Chapter 61, 6. Yeah. Because in the Quran, they, they say Holy Spirit a lot. So it's like, yes. what is that and who is that? Yes. Yeah. Our spirit, Holy Spirit. All right. uh, and mentioned when Jesus, the son of Mary, said, O children of Israel, indeed, I am the messenger of Allah to you, confirming what came before me of the Torah and bringing good tidings of a messenger to come after me, whose name is Ahmad. But when he came to them with clear evidences, they said, this is obvious magic. So Ahmad would translate uh i guess there's some dispute about that but they claim that shoot maybe i shouldn't have brought that one up because i'm still learning about that one actually all right well let me read this and remember as isa son of miriam jesus son of mary said "O seeds or sons of israel surely i am the messenger of allah to you sincerely verifying that which is before, literally between my two hands, me of the Tauran, the book revealed to Musa or Moses, of which the extent tor- the extant Torah is a corruption and a, const- a constant bearer of good things of a messenger who will come up after, even after me, whose name is Ahmad. Then as soon as he came to them with the supreme evidences, they said, this is evident sorcery. Just a little more information there. Uh, uh, what's the Bible verse that talks about the helper or the comforter? I think they're saying that the Holy Spirit is Muhammad because the words are so similar in Greek, I guess. In Greek, it's paraclete and... Yeah. The other word is like pyrocloat or something like that. I don't know how to pronounce it. For Muhammad? Yes. So the verse in the Bible that talks about the comforter, they're saying that's Muhammad. 
but I, it's because they it's an adulterated word <clears throat> ah, dang it i should have been more prepared and i will ask the father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever that's john the holy spirit as a comforter in times of sorrow and grief I'll have to look into that. If... I've never heard that. The idea that Muhammad is is their version of the Holy Spirit or their way of expressing the Holy Spirit. I don't know about that. Yeah. Interesting. I'm gonna, I'm trying to find it right now, but I mean it's an interesting feels... I, I was hoping someone in the I was hoping someone in chat would know. Uh Mikhail said I read that in Islam the Holy Spirit is believed to be the a- angel Gabriel. I have heard that, but even even that, to me, it just it doesn't click right. But the Muhammad thing, like, that's a very interesting thought. I don't I don't know enough to know whether it aligns fully. That would be something I definitely have to look into more. But uh, I guess while you gather yourself or whatever you got next for us, and I still have your other picture too. One one thing that I've mulled over a lot over the years in terms of. And I love that you pulled you had me pull up those couple of verses because it's just it never sits right. (laughs) This this uh, this idea that's perpetuated within Islam that that Jesus wasn't God of some kind or that he he wasn't a deity. It's it's like the Quran basically says that he is. It's it just seems odd. It seems like what they teach is very counter what the Quran is relatively clear about or seems just from what we just read. The other ones we just read are like, it's very obvious that Jesus is something totally different. He was someone totally different. And from the Muslim perspective, the narrative is that, oh, well, he's a highly revered prophet. You know, he's very special, but still you never hear about him. They don't ever talk about him. They just give a really good, nice, clean answer if they're questioned about him. But he's never the focus of anything. Muhammad is the focus of everything. It's Muhammad and Allah. Never Jesus, unless they're prodded. Then they've got a lot to say about Jesus, and it's all relatively positive. And I think it's on the assumption that most normal people, especially from the Western world, are not going to go read the Quran. So they're not going to see that they also seem to believe Jesus is God or God-like in some manner. So to me, it becomes a matter of, and you know, we've talked about it before. What's the intention? Like, what's the intention yes. behind that? You know, and it seems relatively obvious. I, I think, I think they just, they, they could not. And this is totally a simplistic view, but like, they couldn't bear to be, to believe the same thing. It's like they hate us so much. Very simplistic, very generalized, and I'm not attributing this to all or even most Muslims. I think the ones who deny the the idea or the concept of Jesus being what their holy book says he is, is it seems to come from a place of hatred. Of it's it's, it's just like, it, to me it's revisionism for sure. But then why not remove it? Like good God, over I guess why back then? If they knew back then they were going to deny Jesus. Why not just remove him? I mean, Christians did it all throughout history. We, we removed things. We revised things. Spirituality was basically completely redacted from the Bible. Why not remove it? That's what makes me think, like, 
and there's nothing behind this other than my opinion, but it seemed like it was something that developed over time, is that they began to deny Jesus, because their book doesn't at all, from from my view. Yeah, I've but, had the same thought. It's um, odd. And it's, it's weird how they'll always say stuff like, um, you know, Jesus never claimed to be God, but... And I've asked this to just tons of Muslims and they can never give me a good answer. I say, why did Caiaphas rip his robes? Why did he do that? Because he understood what the cloud rider meant. He understood what son of man meant and sitting at the right hand of power meant. That's that's uh, a God claim. Yeah. And, you know, so he was claiming to be God. He just didn't come words. Yeah. Otherwise, yeah. Kai, what was Caiaphas like bipolar? Was he crazy? Like, what was yeah. going on? Why did he do that? Interesting. That's a good point. Uh, okay. And here's another one. They say that the Quran is in heaven. It's like on tablets. And that Quran was delivered through Gabriel. But if that's true, then why does the Quran have so many parallels with Gnosticism and so many contradictions? If it was delivered, if it was channeled through the like to one guy, it should just be super easy and concise. But it's not. So wait, 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 wait. I haven't heard that. I've heard I've heard the Gabriel thing, like Mikhail said. I didn't know the story like that. So so they the belief is that the Quran was written on tablets in heaven, given to Gabriel. Yeah, just just search heavenly Quran. They're literally in heaven right now on tablets. That's what it says. It is also called Kalam Allah, the word of God. And to most Muslims is eternal and uncreated attributes of God as opposing to something written or created by God. The Quran that resides in heaven is distinct from the earthly Quran. Got to be honest, man. I, I didn't know that. I didn't know that. This is news to me. So so what is maybe you don't know, but it's. There's there's a Quran, there's a version of the Quran that's in heaven. And then there's the version that we have here. Which is supposedly a perfect copy of it. So it's the same one then. Yeah, and there's mistakes in ours. Like not just like interpretation mistakes, like actual legitimate mistakes. Yeah. Yeah. So interesting. Huh? You know? Interesting. And it's the Quran doesn't have any cipher. Yeah. Messiah twenty thirty. There's nothing like that in the Quran. It's just a, a spiel of I'm great. It's like a rap song, like I'm this, I'm that, I'm all these titles. And <laughs> it's not all it is, of course. There's beautiful stuff. I don't want to like No, there totally know, is. There but, totally is. Interesting. Um interesting. So I just find it it can't be the what they sell it as. It just can't. No. And no. this is another thing. Christian apologetics will sit there and good faith you and like talk it out and talk it through. But I find a lot of Muslims just run or obfuscate, omit things, lie. And I'm just like, dude, why are you doing that? I, I really want to know. Yeah. So, you know, I, I guess rant over. There was a, hmm. I wrote something else down, but it's in the other room. And 
I don't want to go get it right now. <laughs> no, you're good. I mean, we'll, we'll um, I'm trying to remember back. what it is. We'll definitely come back. And if I can get someone to come on, I'm going to try myself to get this guy, uh, whoever it is. I'll ask the person I was talking to again. But if we can get someone who can who can talk to us in good faith because we're genuinely curious, I think that would be a phenomenal conversation. And then we can put up, you know, a bunch of basically have a Q&A and might even have it off of YouTube just in case. Uh, but that would leave it very much open for us to just have like a, you know, very blunt conversation the man it just yeah, man i really seems, do want to know i i do too this is there's been so much about just islam in general that i've always been very curious about and uh, dude i it is the most difficult religion to research in my opinion that's uh, another of thing all, man of all yes of all in seminary i had a hell of a time and then I was like, oh, maybe it's just like the stage of my life. But no, dude, it's 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 so hard to find information. And then it's even harder to try to validate the information. It's uh, like even the stuff we went through today. I don't I don't feel great about it. And normally I'll never like talk about things that I don't feel pretty confident about, even if I'm confident in that I don't know. But like I'm not confident in all of the information we talked about today. Because it's so hard to find it. And then it's so hard to be like, okay, all these sources validate it. All these scholars agree with this. Therefore, it's probably the best that we got. That's not that easy with Islam. It's not that easy. There's so, there's so many different versions of everything. There's so many different wordings of things. It seems like the official texts are, are disputed like almost more than Christian texts, which is also confusing. Yes. Because then they hold to it as if we're the psychotic religion for having so many different versions of our religion which i don't disagree with but it's it's this whole hypocrisy thing it's the same stuff it's the same stuff yeah they, if it, it wouldn't be so bad if they wouldn't just keep driving home the point of it's perfect it's never been changed yes yes, yes. It, it's been changed a lot a lot like a lot they all have they all have but I wrote it, the, uh, oh hey, i remember what i was gonna say go um my bad. Um, Mecca. Mecca is not uh, in the Quran. Is it not Baca in there is. at all? No, not at all. A word called Baca is, and they're like, oh, oh, that's Mecca. But no scholar is like, we agree. There is no way to confirm a lot of these claims. That's the problem. It's like they just appear out of nowhere, yeah. and you can't trace them back. So if the, the whole Kaaba thing, that's it's so it's so important. Um, the tribes that were in Saudi Arabia before Muhammad, um, I was reading a lot about it like four or five days ago, but my notes are in the other room. Uh, but yeah, Mecca is not in the Quran, but it's the central focus of worship. And early Muslims didn't used to face Mecca. They used to face... Uh, I can't remember the name of it. The, the important part is it wasn't Mecca, though. Um, da, 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 da. Was it a geographical location? Yes, okay. but it was like in the opposite direction of Mecca. Yeah, yeah. It was more west instead of south. Yes, you did. That's that's the thing that gets me, man. And it just kind of feeds into what we were saying a minute ago. Is like 
it very much seems and i mean granted judaism is is one of the best judaism buddhism and hinduism all originated a certain way with certain beliefs and for the most part have kept a lot of it now recently like last 10 15 years hinduism buddhism have some branches but for a long time those three religions had held to their foundations relatively well christians destroyed it and muslims the more you read about it the more one the origins become kind of shady and then two it seems like at some point in history there was a huge shift and with christianity you can see it throughout history it's like a, it's a trickle effect it's like a slow bleed where this dude and that dude and these dudes all kind of start their own thing and perpetuate their own thing and but with the muslim faith from my perspective totally an opinion is that at some point in history it seems as if like a bomb was dropped and the narrative just completely shifted and so now all of a sudden they're having to justify things and explain things and it's like it's like watching somebody weave a web of lies and everybody around them knows it's a lie because they were there and the person just keeps spinning and spinning and spinning and they just look dumber and dumber and dumber as time goes on it's like that's the vibe i get the the deeper i get into islam is like the whole thing is a house of cards all based on something yes. at some point that seemed relatively similar to Christianity and, and the Jewish faith. And then at some point it completely got flipped on its head. And that's the part like I'm dying to understand why, what was the intention? What was the reason? And why would you hold to this, <laughs> this lie so hard? It's odd. Yeah, me too. It's, it's very odd. Um, I, it, could you look up this verse, um, Quran, let's see, Quran 5, 116 and 117. Uh, I, ne I just, just wrote that down as a note and I found it to be, and I wrote straw man next to it, but I can't remember what it says specifically. Okay. On the 16 and on judgment day, Allah will say, Oh, Jesus, son of Mary, did you ever ask the people to worship you and your mother as gods beside Allah? He will answer, glory be to you. How can I ever say what I had no right to say? If I had said such a thing, you would have certainly known it. You know what is hidden within me, but I do not know what is within you. Indeed, you alone are the knower of all unseen. And then 17 says, I never told them anything except what you ordered me to say. Worship Allah, my Lord, and your Lord, and I was witness over them as long as I remained among them. But when you took me, you were the witness over them, and you are a witness over all things. Yeah, maybe I was maybe I was just thinking like worship Mary. I don't think any Christian said to worship Mary. Ah, Catholics. Um, I mean they'll they'll deny it, but they do. In, yeah, in, in my opinion, in my opinion, in my maybe opinion. that's what it was referring to. Outside of that, though, I I agree. I don't I don't know of any other Christian sect, and even even then, maybe this is my anti bias or my anti Catholic bias. Even then, Catholics say they don't worship Mary; that they go to Mary to intercede for them. It just comes across intercession, as, yeah, yeah, like worship. I mean, if you have pictures, you're praying to pictures, you're 
you know, I don't know. To me, it's odd. But outside of that, yeah, there's nothing like that in Christianity at all that I'm aware of. There's no, um, nobody outwardly tells anybody to worship Mary. I haven't heard that. So right. the, and, the and your mother, um, that, that is interesting. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Maybe chapter 43, verse 61. I just wrote these down. I didn't elaborate because it would have taken so long and I didn't want to write. Um, and his second coming is truly a sign of the hour. So have no doubt about it and follow me. This is the straight path. Yeah, that was forty three sixty one. It could have been an incomplete thought I had at the time. Yeah, so uh, Quran's supposed to be word for word. It's easy for to God. lose threads. Oh, it's extremely easy. Yeah, Lilith, the Quran is supposed to be word for word from God. It's supposed to be a direct, uh, a direct passing from God to the authors. It wasn't, but it's expressed as such. I think they face Kaaba because of the black stone that Muhammad brought from heaven. That's what Lilith said. I I honestly, I don't know anything about it. So I don't really want to say anything about it. I'd have to look into that. Yeah, so, it, it's the Kaaba seems to be like an Islamic... Um, Ark of the Covenant, basically. But when they found mm. it, there were 360 god idols in there, statues. So Shocking. It couldn't have been Abraham who built that, because who put all those... Unless there's just some kind of um, Arabic history that we just are just buried under the sands. Like, Yeah. There's a big gap, man. Like, there's a huge gap. It's a big part of the problem. Yeah. Across the board. And there are things in that gap that could make it all make sense. Like, I'm not, there could be, I'm saying, like, I don't know. Oh, definitely. But we don't have those. No, I mean, we we have what we have, man. It's all we have to go off of for the time being. Uh, do you want to go into the other picture? I just threw it up. Or do you want to save this? Totally no, up to you. It, it was it was just a commentary on the colors of the four horsemen and how it correlates to the first picture you showed. Uh, these four colors seem to be very prominent in basically all Islamic nationality, uh, the flags. Um, and they do correlate to the four horsemen. It could be a coincidence. Um, but there's something to it. I might not have it down 100%, but it interested me. All right, here I'm. I'm just going to kind of the order in which. Go ahead. No, you you finish, and then I'm just going to kind of narrate this, so anybody who's just listening isn't totally confused. Uh, I was just the order in which the colors appear. Uh, if you if you pull up the other picture I sent um, with just the names, yep. Uh, those colors correspond to the four horsemen, and. Ah, I could okay. be pulling that out of thin air. But, but each each horseman correlates. Okay. 
Okay, no, I get I get where you're coming from now. Yeah. So created nineteen. I'm sorry. Created during the 1916 and 1918 Arab revolt against Ottoman rule, the colors were used individually by various historical Arab caliphates. Okay, and then so you have Isa, red, false prophet, Allah, Satan, black, and Jesus Dajjal. Oh, re real quick. Um, Explain, explain that because I I, t I told you before. I think this is super interesting. This concept of Satan mm -hmm. being who Allah actually is. Explain that a little bit. And I know you haven't fully, you know, formed the thought, but yeah, it's, it's interesting. It's very interesting. So I kind of envision it like we are we are in the middle of a like a divine bet or a divine game right now and the win conditions for one side is it's all based on narratives and belief and the win conditions on their side is to get us to believe certain things about jesus and on our side it's to get us to believe certain things about jesus yeah and th so there's an incentive to lie about his person his being his mission his his everything so if the win condition is to get us to believe something false about him then of course you're going to make it so where we believe the the counterfeit is going to be extremely similar to the genuine article yeah so mm. i might not be articulating it perfectly mm. no no you I, I mean i think I think that's interesting. Yeah. It's an interesting thought. It's you know, the there's a gamble going on. Yeah. No, for sure. For sure. So, um, huh. if you if you if you take those words and really break them down individually, those names, those titles, whatever, and then start comparing them to the four horsemen to you'll start to see these parallels so that it's kind of like the Nephilim story. The, the, the Sumerians had the Apkalu, but they viewed the Apkalu in a positive way. And the Hebrews viewed the Nephilim in a negative way, but the Apkalu and the Nephilim shared traits. So like they're the same beings, but the opinion about those beings differ. It would be like if yeah. a British person wrote about the Holocaust and a Nazi wrote about the Holocaust. Sorry, YouTube. Um, they would have different opinions about it, but they're talking about the same event. Yeah, 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 for sure. And I think there's something like that going on. I mean, I, I, yeah, 100%. I think, I think that concept, like at its very baseline level, I think is undeniable. But I think when what you were explaining a minute ago, kind of how it parallels or runs congruently past that, I think is where it, you could see a lot more arguments with it, but I can definitely see, I can definitely see the tie as well. But I, I think you like, can look at, um, just look at what's going on in the world now. Yeah. You have, organizations that have an incentive to make you believe 
A about a certain thing and organizations that want you to believe B about a certain thing. Yeah. But it's the same thing. It's the same topic. So this is one of these religions is fake news. You know what I mean? One of them is yeah. propaganda. Yeah. Just on a cosmic level. No, for sure. I mean, and then it gets even deeper than that, man. Like it's this it's it's so complicated, but it's also the simplest thing ever. It's that the the like I guess the standard view, the standard belief, the standard whatever is it's all the same God and it's a bunch of different demographics and cultures and types of people with different personalities, societies trying to understand that one God. That's our 2023 perspective. But then if you run back to, you know, the the times before any of these texts were written, when it was in the time. I, I don't think it was quite that simple. You can look at it like, I guess, two different ways. Like there, there is a God. It is absolute. It is the same for all people at every area in the world. And it is perhaps their cultures trying to interpret it from their background. So very different contexts, very different everything. So they interpret the God differently. Same God interpreted a different way. Maybe it did start that pure because that that's relatively pure. There's no malice involved. There's no fake news uh, you know, involved at that point. And then at what point in history did it become like people using the truth of God and lies about God against the other cultures, whether to manipulate them or to rule them or overthrow them? I don't know, but I think it did possibly well, start pure at the origin. When you say it starts pure, pure with no malice, Islam literally started out from the jump. Jesus is not who you think he is. That was the whole thing. Yeah. And then everything else was kind of built around that. No, it's really Allah. So like, but see, in the Old Testament, we have the two powers in heaven concept, which after Jesus came, the Jews kind of erased that and swept it under the rug because that would add validity to Jesus. But back in the day, way before Jesus, they acknowledged that there were two powers in heaven. Uh, you can take the Sodom and Gomorrah verse and tons of other ones, but I like the Sodom and Gomorrah one where it says Yahweh rained fire out of heaven from Yahweh. And it that that type of language is all throughout the Old Testament. Uh, the angel of things like that. Grammatically, it doesn't make sense unless there is a physical version and a spiritual version of Yahweh. There seems to be two all over the Old Testament. So, yeah. not only does Islam kind of make a mockery of Jesus, but it also makes a mockery of the much older Son of Man imagery. The Yahweh who looks like a person, who, the, who looks like a human. Because the Jews fully acknowledge that guy. And um, so I can't say... In my opinion, I can't say it's not without malice. I think they're trying to reframe Jesus. And Jesus preemptively said, don't let anyone do that because it's going to happen. Yes, I guess so that's, so, that's my I, take. On it. I'm talking about much earlier than even that, because, yeah, I totally agree with that. I absolutely agree with that. 
I think around the time of Jesus and, and very shortly after and even prior to, honestly, maybe not prior to his existence, but prior to his death, there was all sorts of malice sur surrounding that whole situation uh, from within and outside of Christianity. But I, I'm, I guess go way back, like Mesopotamia. If you go way back, it seems like most of the cultures and obviously the data and the research on this is not the greatest because it's extremely freaking old, but it seems like they all had kind of the same general view of God. And then it seems like very few religions really tried to hurt other religions. And Islam was definitely one of them, no doubt. But if you take Hindu, if you take Buddhist, if you take, um, uh, Judaism, and then if you look into like some of the old Mesopotamian stories and things like that, it's it's all seems to be a reflection of this same overarching God, just interpreted in a different way. I, I'm saying I think way 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 back in the beginning, it seemed like it was relatively pure, and, and I could definitely be wrong, but that's just like my perspective. It doesn't seem like anyone was really trying to hurt anybody else they were just trying to make sense of things i think yes once you get to like anywhere near the time of christ i think malice becomes wildly present extremely present and it does seem like we've already talked about i think it seems very much so like the muslim faith like a huge part of it is trying to discredit christ while at the same time having a holy book that does not discredit christ there are points like the last one you had us read where Allah is talking to Jesus and asking him, you know, why people are saying that you're telling them to worship you and your mother. But there, in my experience, and I, I definitely don't know enough, but from everything I've looked at is there's more that makes Jesus fit the Godhead narrative than there is kind of pushing that Jesus doesn't fit the Godhead narrative. And that is all with malice, I think for sure. I think it's really hard to deny that. But I think there was a time when religions weren't... I guess that's not really true, man. It happened very early on. But it seems, I guess, the oldest, oldest, oldest of the oldest. Mesopotamia. Early Judaism. It seems like people trying to understand God. Which gets tricky, too, because God was also very involved during that period, which is different now. But it just didn't seem like there was as much hate. And people weren't trying to hurt each other as much. And maybe this is me being the opposite of what I normally am. And instead of being a cynic, maybe I'm being way too graceful. I'd like to think it was pure in the beginning. And then at some point, it you know it began to fuel basically every war that has ever happened. Uh, you know more about this than me. So somebody in the chat said, The four horsemen always make me think of the four sides, the north, south, east, and west. Wars for nations. And then he said, does war then just decide which religion should be right? Oh, that's my buddy. <laughs> What's up, Johnny? Oh, that's your buddy? Yeah. Johnny. Yeah. <laughs> Old yeah. Johnny. Um, I think war kind of did decide throughout history which religion was right. Not actually, because, I mean, what's right is right and what's true is true. But societally perhaps right yeah it's that always way. been a game of force yeah absolutely i mean you you say it was peaceful but i mean the canaanites were like cooking babies they were stuff, awful so, I mean. yeah they were awful that's why the more i talked i'm like shit no 
I think this is me being <laughs> right. me being uh, very idealistic. I mean, e- even before that, man, yeah, it was rough. I guess uh, there's always pockets of peace, but human yeah. nature is. Yeah, I'm trying to think. Maybe theologically, it was pure, but it w- but it wasn't. Yeah, the the more I the more I say things, the more I want to take them all back. It really was never pure. I just wonder, I guess, how about this? Let me rephrase. I think, I wonder how much of it was intentionally malice. Like, considering Christians 2023, we we all have very different beliefs. But for the most part, people aren't trying to hurt each other. Like, with intention, with intentionality, trying to hurt other Christians. I think people are just so sure that they're right, that they feel like they need to make the other person see the light and so does the other person and i mean that's that's the epitome of religious war so i wonder how much of the early religious movements wherever and whatever they may have been wonder how much of them were just people with with all gentleness and and good intention not gentleness with all good intention in their heart were just so sure so damn sure that they were right that they wanted to force the other societies and cultures to to believe that just so they had the truth. That's yeah, less malice. I mean, you, you also have to look at it as we live in a time where we can just go down to the store to get food and they couldn't do that. Yeah. So that's a, you, you can add that on top, like of territorial disputes and things like that. Yeah, true. Um, so that's why things might've been more brutal back then, because you're right. People want to be right. But when you add starvation on top of that, there, there's like an extra little, little sauce on that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean that among everything else, just general quality of life, man, people dying in childbirth, like it was, everything was very different. There was, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know, but I, I do want to. I do want to try to get to the bottom of some of these questions. Me too. I Big really time. do. I really do. So I think I'm gonna try. And I have to, no emotion about it. I don't either. I could care less. <laughs> I could care less. I'm just interested. Mm-hmm. I'd really like to just hear a coherent answer. That's it. Even if I don't like the answer, I just to be able to hear some answers to this that may not satisfy my beliefs but that satisfy the intellect, like the, the intellectual side of the conversation. I would love to hear that. So I think I'm going to try to really put a full court press on trying to get somebody to come on and talk to us, even if private, if they don't want to live stream, totally fine. We'll do it private in discord. Um, but I think that would be really cool because there, there's just, there's too much to it, man. There's too much to it. And I'd really like to hear yeah. somebody's perspective. And I would like to be a notes. part of that. Um, I'm going to send you a video. It's about an hour long of, about a lot of uh, it's just a list of textual problems. And um, actually, it goes through the history of. I'm just going to send it to you. Uh, you can watch it whenever. Wait, you cut out after you can watch it whenever. 
we lost you, man. Alright, Go Ghost has cut out. If he comes back, then he can finish. Uh, it will see whatever video he's got to send. I feel also chat now. Also, information measured today would be different than before without social media and internet. Yeah, good point, man. Good point, Johnny. I feel some societies just will prosper because some people just want it. Power or sin drives all change and abnormalities. Yeah, absolutely true. Scott. Scott, it's so good to see you, man. I feel like we haven't seen as much of you, Scott. We need to see more of you. Where would we go in Discord specific to this conversation? Is there a method to build a wiki for our Discord? What exactly do you mean, Scott? For this conversation? So now in Discord, and I'll put it up on the screen, so hang tight. And then we're going to wrap up, guys. I got to go uh, decorate a tree. But... Can you hear me? Now I can, yeah. Huh, that was weird. Yeah, so you said you're going to send me a video that's an hour uh, long. I just said, yes. Yes. And then what? You were saying something else, and then you go. Uh, I just really want to get your take on it. Okay. All right, yeah, shoot it to me. I'll, I'll watch it, it. It's like a textural. Okay. okay. Because you are the only guy I know who can probably, like, digest some of this stuff. Okay, cool. Cool. Yeah, I'd love to. I'll make Kat listen to it with me. That would it's not like cool. super entertaining, but no, but that's like 99% of what I consume. It's a, I don't know. I like, I like it, man. I'm weird. We're, we're weird ones. I enjoy that stuff. Yeah. Get it to me. I'll watch it with cat tomorrow and then we can get back to you quick. Sweet. Did I put this up? Okay. Yeah. So Scott asked, uh, Scott asked, where would we go in discord specific to this conversation? Is there a method to build a wiki? For our Discord. So we, Scott, we've been trying to kind of figure out how to do that. Oh, you mentioned that you want to get answers. A wiki would be a great place to document the answers to specific topics that we touch on. So, Scott, the answer is that now if you go to the Discord and you go to the chit chat room where all the, you know, the main topics are, there's the one with the red dot that matches the live stream red dot area. That is our stream chat. So this, this is becoming... And, you know, it's obviously very new and we'll figure it out. But this will kind of be the wiki for certain conversations. So there hasn't been anything since the Messiah movies, uh, but I'll make one for this. So it'll be Quran versus the Bible. And then anything we find related to what we've been talking about, we will just put in here. Oh, I just cap lock myself. And that's how we'll do that. That's the I mean, that's like the best way that we can with discord being the way it is if anybody thinks they have a better way or has suggestions obviously let me know or let somebody else know and uh we'll definitely go with that but this is it's the best we got so it functions like a forum so when you come in here if you go you're dead now what that was the title of a live stream we did on october 19th and this is oh it was you so yeah yeah you so you already have this jamming out dude so based on whatever the conversation was, so I'll put the one up from tonight up there. And then anything we find kind of based on this, like Ghost is going to send me a video. Maybe we'll put it in there too. And then Ghost said he had some other stuff that he would put in Discord because it's a little bit too spicy for YouTube. We'll put that in there too. So uh, everything can be, I think it's the best we got. 
in terms of trying to like put together a wiki. So maybe instead of theology, goes throw it in here, so uh, so people can reference it. Okay. Um, and well, I'll try, guys. I'll try to get better at creating one of these for every stream. Um, I just, you know, I'll get better. I'll get better. But I'll put that one up as soon as we close out. As soon as we close out tonight. All right. Any anything else, guys? We ran uh, almost two hours in. And um, I need to go decorate a tree. So we obviously will not have a stream tomorrow night, but we will have the normal Sunday night. What's up? Oh, no, I said I'm good. Sorry. Oh, you're good. Okay. All right. Uh, You guys have anything else? Throw it out now. Throw it out now. Throw it out now. Otherwise, yeah, nothing tomorrow. We'll have. Yeah, it was nice to have Johnny with us. And then we lost Ophi, who was here in the beginning. I'll try to hit her up on TikTok and see if uh she realized she hates this or if maybe she had something else she had to go do but uh sunday night we'll have normal bible study i think we're on five and six in james i think but we'll we'll be finishing up james soon and then we'll run a poll for what the next bible study book will be and then tonight right after this i'll post the poll for next thursday and if you guys ever have any topic ideas or suggestions, things that you want to see covered on Thursday, just send those to me or put them in the off topic in discord and just tag me in it or tag ghost or tag cat somebody and uh, they'll get it to me. And then we'll put those in the poll for Thursdays. Everybody have a great Thanksgiving with your loved ones and happy weekend. You too, Mikkel. All right, y'all I am out of here and I will do the, uh, I'll do the forum section. So stream chat is where you can finally put it up one more time in the discord stream chat. It's got the red dot, just like our stream channels. That will be every live stream, whatever the topic was, we'll put it up in there. If you find any more information, you have any questions, anything, throw it all in there. So it's all in one central place. I love you guys. You're all beautiful. It's extremely impressive that you guys sat and listened to this one tonight because it wasn't the most exciting, but it's interesting. It's interesting. So props to everybody here for doing that. Johnny, it was good to meet you, man. I love you all. Have a beautiful night. I'll see you Sunday for Bible study. Enjoy Thanksgiving. Enjoy Thanksgiving. Eat until you're 